0: mm
1: Welcome back to Vampire Videos, where we're exploring 100 years of vampires on film and television, one bite at a time. Uh, I'm Hugh McStay, and accompanying me on this journey into the depths of vampire cinema is the Jackie to my deacon, Mr. Dan Owen. Hello, Dan.
2: Hi, Hugh. <laughs> so that's the that's the dynamic, is it? I'm the Jackie, well, you're the deacon.
1: It, it it just feels right. You know, once I said it, I wasn't sure at first, but once it <laughs> left my lips, it felt like the right thing to say. So, yeah, we'll let the listeners be the judge. We'll do a poll.
2: I'm more of a stew, I think, <laughs> really, but no, never mind. But yeah, that's fine. Yeah, great to be back, Hugh. Uh, this is a season three episode.
1: Season three, Dan. Season three, that's yeah. bonkers. yeah.
2: So, we're quite deep into season three as this is released, but this is actually our first recording. So, um, <laughs>
1: a peek behind the curtain there. Yeah, a little
2: peek behind the curtain. So, I'm quite excited to dig into uh, a season three episode, especially uh, a comedy one, mm. because
1: we haven't done many vampire comedies, have we? Yeah, well, we've done some unintentional vampire comedies, but uh, this is the first Yeah, It's one of the, the first ones that's a proper out and out laugh fest. Yeah, a successful comedy. <laughs> we've done a
2: few duds along the way. Um, yeah, but before we begin, uh, just uh, a quick reminder uh, follow us on Vamp Videos on Twitter for regular updates. Uh, you can also visit our Ko-fi page to, to donate whatever you can afford, uh, forward slash Vampire Videos. Uh, if money is tight though, subscribe or leave a rating or review, that's always appreciated. Um, so that's all the housekeeping out of the way. Uh, Hugh, what do we have in store
1: today? <laughs> well, this week we have Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi's 2014 mockumentary, What We Do in the Shadows, where a film crew are given access to four vampire housemates from Wellington, New Zealand. go, <laughs> go! It's been like
0: this the whole time. Deacon on dishes, and it still hasn't moved in five years. You're a cool guy, but you're not pulling your weight in the flat. Oh, I'm glad to hear that I'm cool. No, that's not the point, though. You're yeah, missing no, I know. Point. Not the flat meeting about how cool you are. When you get three vampires in a flat, obviously there's going to be a lot of tension. <laughs> Viago was an 18th century dandy. Look, a ghost cop. Vladislav is a bit of a pervert. This is my torture chamber. The deacons like the young bad boy of the group. I'm supposed to pay rent, but I don't. The trouble with being a vampire is you have to be invited in.
2: Come in to the bar. $4. Than...
3: Will you invite us in?
0: We need some fresh blood.
1: Hi, my name is Nick. I've been a vampire for two months.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so let's open the podcast kit <laughs> and see who's inside. Oh, it's freelance entertainment and lifestyle journalist Steve O'Brien of the Radio Times and the Guardian, amongst many other things. How are you doing, Steve?
4: Glad to be out of the uh, coffin. Um, thank you. Thank you for opening it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I should have drilled some uh, breathing holes in there. Maybe you know that might help. Do you know what? It's actually very cosy.
1: <laughs> After three seasons, you think that we would have cleaned it out by now, Steve? But it's just, yeah, it's just extra admin. I don't, we don't have time to get around to it. I'm afraid. Oh, it's disgraceful. You need a, <laughs> look, look, you need
4: a, a Peggy from Heidi High. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a deep cut reference for our american <laughs> listeners there we'll explain that at the end maybe yeah so steve great to have you here so you're quite a prolific writer online I, I kind of follow what you do there so first of all just with vampires really um are you a? hopefully you're a fan of vampires and horror but what's the first kind of vampire film or tv show that you ever saw
4: do you know what? i can't necessarily remember the first one but i was big into buffy uh, when it came along. Because, uh, you know, when Buffy arrived, I was working on, <coughs> on SFX, and that was like our meat and potato Ooh. series, you know, in a, in a, in a sort of pre Doctor Who days. Oh, yeah.
2: If you put Sarah Michelle Geller on the cover itself, doesn't it really?
4: God, <laughs> my man. Yeah, absolutely. Or oh, indeed <laughs> any of them. And, and at that time, we had a pretty good relationship with Joss Weed and, and, and the cast. So I sort of got mm. to, and also Anthony Head lived locally to us. So, uh, you know, he was often oh. in the office. And, um, yeah, you know, I got to interview mm. quite a few of them at the time, which was mm. a big thrill. Uh, apart from that i I remember loving I was never a big hammer fan but I absolutely adored Bram Stoker's Dracula because I just loved it mm-hmm. sort of gorgeous Lurid theatricality. Uh, I think that was the first vampire film I truly fell in love with.
2: Excellent. Okay. I think we're seeing what the kind of demographic is view of our guests, really, because we get a lot of Buffy and Bram Stoker's Dracula and, and things like that. So I think, um, yeah, they're very popular, aren't they? Those
1: ones. Oh, but uh, how can you not love Buffy, though? I mean, that was absolutely growing up. Um, that was my number one show. As any any long time listeners will tell you, absolutely obsessed with that show for the longest time. And no wonder I've uh, become a, a staple on this podcast. Uh, with that kind of background, <laughs>
4: I was destined to do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy that the that, that sort of mooted revival that was being talked about a few years uh. ago looks as though it almost certainly won't happen. I don't know; it might well have uh, sort of tarnished the memory of the original.
1: Yeah, that, that's always my worry as well, Steve, with things like that. I mean, I like the idea of it in the abstract, you know, but I just I'm so wary of what they would actually would have done with it because that and Angel are shows that I still return to quite often. I've just finished a, a big rewatch with my my 15 year old daughter, and she absolutely loved it, and you know, thought it was terrific and you no know, I, I just i don't know how i feel about them yeah, going back to that well
4: i did a i did a big rewatch. i think it was about six years ago because i had to i was commissioned with simon garrier to do a, a sort of info, infographic book so we decided mm-hmm. we had mm-hmm. to do it in a very very quick amount of time we hadn't seen the series in quite a long time, and, and when you're watching the series to make notes about a very factual book, it's it's not mm. quite as pleasurable as just watching it. You know, so we sort of decided, you know, he he would watch the first three and a half series, and I'd watch the final three and a half series, and then we sort of pool it all. But um, that was pretty intense. I think I did that those three and a half series in a, in about three three weeks.
1: <laughs> oh, creaky <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, we'll have to get you back for the Buffy episode yeah. <laughs> that yet. You know, make you rewatch it yet again? Oh, right? oh no. Oh, woe is me
2: woe is me
4: I still think of that as my Vietnam <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh dear
2: um anything more recent though steve or that's like an early memory informative experience watching that show but anything more recently that's kind of taken your fancy oh i
4: do you know I, when we were talking about this i mentioned a, a film I had to review for Aspects. actually i think it was about four years ago and i can't remember the title but we were talking i was talking about <laughs> it with you and you
2: hadn't heard of it oh yeah i'd have to find that out yeah what was it <laughs> It was very, it was a very
4: sort of grounded uh, vampire film, which I don't think ever used the word vampire. But um, and it starred Patrick Fugit. From um, almost famous, I can't remember the title. You know, anybody can just look it, look (laughs) him up on on Wikipedia and find out a film that he made about four years ago, and that that's a pretty decent (laughs) one. It's pretty bleak, pretty low key, and as I said, it's sort of it sort of leans into the drug addiction sort of metaphor.
2: Was it called? Oh, hang on, my heart can't beat unless you tell it to.
4: Yes, which actually sounds like quite. It (laughs) makes it sound like quite a fun movie, the starring (laughs) Drew Barrymore. But no, no, it's quite it's quite a bleak watch.
2: Yeah, well, stay tuned for that because that's definitely now added to the list, thanks to you. Because <laughs> that was one I'd never heard of either. So, um, yeah, we'll get around to that eventually. Uh, yeah, but that's that's great when you pick out kind of unusual ones like that. Because that's the thing about vampire cinema, isn't it, Hugh? You know, there's so many vampires, you know, <laughs> yeah. dramas and action, you know, thrillers and sci-fi. and
1: crazy. as we found out, Dan, there are some vampire films that aren't even really vampire films, you know, but, but they still sort of fit yes, the bill, which is terrific to discover.
2: Yeah, we've done a few of those. <laughs> Stretching the limits of what you'd describe as a vampire <laughs> film a little bit. But, yeah, yeah. So, but we're not here to talk about any of those movies or or Buffy or anything, unfortunately. But we are here to talk about a decent film, um, which is good, I'm, I'm glad. So it's uh, What We Do in the Shadows, a comedy from 2014. So, Steve, did you watch this way back in 2014, or is this something you came to a bit later when Taika YTT kind of became a bigger name, or how was it for you?
4: Yeah, it's, it's slightly embarrassing that I came to it sort of after the world got to got to know about him. I think right. you know, I mean, this was after his first film, Boy, which passed me by, but I think kind of those in the know knew about it. I discovered him with Hunt for the Wilderpeople, and then I think I sought out uh, What We Do in the shallows. That's my memory of the, the timeline of this.
2: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, how about you, Hugh? Is this something that you saw way back when?
1: Yeah, I think I saw it, I didn't see it when it was originally released, but within, I'd say, a year of it having been out, i definitely caught up with it. And uh, yeah, it's a film <laughs> that I have revisited many, 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 many times. So uh, going back to the, uh, this weekend for another watch was an absolute treat for me.
2: Yeah, I, I see... I've seen it once, well now twice, Mm. uh, because I I definitely saw it on Blu-ray so probably around that time 2000, 2014 um, I think this is around the time of Flight of the Concords was a thing wasn't it
4: because I remember loving that at the first time I think I can t- that was about 2007-2008 oh really right. if I'd have known that Jermaine Clement had co-written and co-directed this, this film I probably would have sorted out because of his name yeah
2: mm. Yeah. that's what drew me to it I remember thinking oh it's the guy from Flight of the Concords, I like him and so it was Jermaine Clement that was the main draw I didn't really know that that was Taika Waititi mm-hmm. um, actually in the movie for <laughs> quite a while actually but yeah I, I definitely enjoyed it but unlike you i haven't really gone back to it very often to be honest so i was um, interested to see how it stood up like over like nearly 10 mm-hmm. years later and i think it stands up quite well yeah. but I'll, I'll ask steve first of all you know how, how how did you feel watching it again more recently
4: i thought it stood up really really well i think because that um that sort of spinal tap the office kind of uh, <laughs> mockumentary approach it's pretty it's pretty familiar in terms of comedy films but not um. with a sort of fantasy or horror edge that's yeah. that's Ooh. extremely new and I just think it was like you know I'm never as you said there are so many vampire films around but very very few comedy ones and then very very few ones that do this mockumentary beau realistic approach mm. uh, and I just love its sort of groundedness the fact that it makes the fantastic brings it down to the ordinary yeah. And that that's very fresh, I think, and certainly to to milk it for laughs.
1: Yeah, how about you, Hugh? What do you think? This is like one of my all time favorite comedy films. Never mind, like vampire films. I, I've revisited it so many times over the years, and like it was one of those delights that I couldn't wait to introduce it to my my eldest daughter, and I'll no doubt watch it with my youngest when she's a little bit older as well. But I actually couldn't wait to watch it with her because it just the humour is so easy to get a hold of. It's so silly. I mean, as much as it's about you know these evil yeah. blood-sucking fiends, it's a ridiculously silly film. And what you said there, Steve, is absolutely right. Spinal Tap meets Nosferatu at times. You know that's actually exactly what it <laughs> feels like you're watching. And the way in yeah. which they make the vampirism so dull and pedestrian—it's such—it's such a funny idea to just take away all the sort of uh, all the airs and graces, all the mysticism of it, and just present it as these four hapless cretins in a flat—a flat share in New Zealand. Yeah, no, I think it's terrific. Yeah,
4: it's almost about them. Mundanity of being a vampire in the modern day.
2: Yeah, I also get a little bit of young ones in there. I thought. Yeah, yeah. At times, yeah, yeah. you know, because yeah. I, I think they're not, the Nosferatu-style vampire Peter is a bit, little bit like a Neil. Isn't he? <laughs> you think he's he's the Neil of the group? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the the weirdo, or in them um, fresh meat, who was the Scottish character? There's always like the the weirdo of the group, isn't? Oh it? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that everyone else kind of shuns. It's sort of
4: Neil, you know, in the sense that he's you know the innocent. So Vargo is a, a, a Takahitishi's character, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you can, I think it's yes, it's cast or rather the characters. I think are cast very well. They're all very defined and very vivid in their own ways.
2: See, I, I didn't know that this was based on a uh, short film, which I've never seen. I don't know if it's on the Blu-ray or something, but it, what we do. It's on YouTube, actually. It's On YouTube, yeah. What we do in the shadows: interviews with some vampires. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, 2005, so yeah, I'd have to go back and watch that. I presume it's like a potted version of this with some of the same jokes, is it?
4: Uh, yes, with some of the same jokes, and I mean, it's not got much of a story, but the stew stuff and the Nick stuff, of right. an art, so mm-hmm. it lacks that. It's, it's just a lot more sort of raw, rough and ready, really. And they all look significantly younger. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> quite <laughs> yeah. shopping what baby faces they all have.
2: All right. so is, that, is it the exact same cast as it? Yeah, yeah. It's... Ah, okay, we'll have to add that as a bonus episode. Episode or something? Yeah, no, I definitely got
1: for future. revisiting that. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it took nine years apparently to make uh, this movie to bring it to the screen. So, and uh, you can definitely tell, can't you? That there's a lot of lot of time and effort has been spent on this because mm-hmm. it's very kind of sharp, isn't it? There's no real wasted scenes, even really. It's very tightly put together.
4: I read that they shot 125 hours of footage. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, when you've got that much and you can just boil it down to, it's all going to mm-hmm. gonna yeah. be rat a you know, brilliant, isn't
1: it? I did read that when they put the script together, it's like it's like a 150-page script, but they said that they chose not to show that to the cast, and so they would sort of just describe the the broad strokes of what each scene was about and kind of allow the actors to kind of you know, keep things spontaneous, and I think that comes across, it reminds me a lot, in fact, of the way in which they put Curb Your Enthusiasm together, yeah. you know, where it's not, it's not exactly, you know, spontaneous and uh, improvised because mm. they're working within a framework And you get the impression that the scene that you're finally seeing has been done maybe like 30 times. And each time they've gone around, they've come up with a new killer, funny line that makes its way into the next iteration of the scene. And I, th- I think it's so packed with jokes and funny one-liners and, and things that I miss. That, you know, I, I often find new things when I go back to it that crack me up. It, it really gives that the impression of these guys who just, they know each other so well, they know each other's comedy so well, and they bring out the best in each other, I think.
4: Yeah, because I think, oh, kind of, doesn't Mike Lee kind of work in a very sort of similar way? Um, yeah. It's yeah. is heavily improvised. And I think, well, yeah, you're right. You know, when, when they know each other that well and they have such a rhythm, you know, you're just going to get gold. Maybe not every time, but. But, uh, you know, at some point on that set. And uh, yeah, I, I, as I said, apparently 125 hours. I don't know how true that is. But, you know, apparently some fans will, see that, you know, <laughs> and kind of edit, the, edit together their own version of the movie. But, you know, it is <laughs> is not going to be quite as good as the movie as the footage they decided to use. So I'm not sure I necessarily want to see the deleted scenes. You know, I I love this for for, for how perfect it is.
2: Yeah, I was wondering if there's like a, an extended edition DVD or something. That's what they normally do, isn't it? To bring out like a, another version of the movie. Remember the Anchorman movie did that, That's didn't right, it? Yeah. Yeah. And they brought all their um, you know extended cuts and and different versions and you know different dialogue wasn't it and things they kind of made another movie almost. often
4: with comedy films though it's it's that it's that original oh well I mean, first of all i think most comedy films are better shorter you know that theatrical c- cut cut Man was the one that they that they wanted to release. So, you know, everything else is sort of a bit money-grubbing. You know, it's a bit like the, the extended Donnie Darko.
2: Nowhere near as good. So, I don't think we really explain what the movie's about <laughs> <laughs> properly. Um, i really dug into that. But it's basically like a mockumentary, as we've said. So, it is like a camera crew spends some time with these bunch of vampires in Wellington in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And each vampire represents a different type of vampire, I suppose. Um, so, you have Taika Waititi as Viago. Want me to try and pronounce his full name? Yeah, go for this it. This would be a bit of comedy. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> so, it's Viago... Von Dorne Schmarin Schieden Heimberg, Nay von Blitzenberg. <laughs> um, apparently, so Viago yeah. will call him. Uh, so he's kind of. What would you describe him like? The kind of like the like the romantic poet, kind of well, a dandy. Yeah, well, kind of that, exactly. Exactly character?
1: that. Vladislav describes him as a yeah. dandy, which I agree. Like <laughs> dandy.
2: Yeah, and then you have Jermaine uh, Clement as Vladislav the Poker, <laughs> he, was, he was a clear kind yeah. of Vlad the Impaler mm. ver- you know, version of that, very much informed by Gary Oldman, I think, uh, from. Bram Stoker's Dracula former sadist <laughs> yeah so he's kind of like a medieval vampire I suppose quite quite kind of um old-fashioned then he got Jonathan Brew as Deacon Brook so yeah he's um how do you describe him exactly he's more described at the beginning as the bad
1: boy he's he's the the cool young vampire I think he's in his 180s
2: <laughs> yeah so, so mere whippersnapper yeah
1: Yeah, he's got that fantastic erotic dance going for him, which is, oh my goodness, pushing all of my buttons Dan, all of them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and then you have uh, Ben Fransham as uh, Peter, (laughs) the 8,000 year old Nosferatu style vampire, so uh, I appreciated seeing him because we've done a lot of Nosferatu stuff, haven't we? <laughs> so, um, Do you
1: know actually about uh, Ben am just very quick I only discovered this uh, this afternoon when I was uh, making some notes um, that he's a bit of a sort of Doug Jordan's type he's been in loads of films uh, playing like characters ah. uh, playing like, um, uh, like fantastical characters he was in Lord of the Rings uh, District 9 and King Kong but most relevant to us that he was one of the main vampires in 30 Days of Night Ah, your favourite movie like, One of yeah. my favourite movies it's <laughs> up there and it's yeah, fun as well yeah. because when you uh, I don't know if uh, you guys have seen the TV show which no doubt we'll, we'll touch on as we're going along but uh, Doug Jones actually shows up in the TV show <laughs> as an ancient vampire
2: oh, oh, excellent <laughs> <laughs> Could have been Peter's brother or something. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and then you have lots of other characters as well, so I won't go through all of them, but there's lots of human characters and familiars of those vampires. Mm. You've also got two Wellington cops, who I thought were quite funny <laughs> when they came in. And Reese Darby, I think, is worth mentioning. He's from uh, Flight of the Concords obviously, as Murray, mm. the no. manager of the band. And he plays Anton, the werewolf pack leader. He's quite good. So yeah, so quite a kind of interesting cast. Um, a lot of kind of unknown people here as well. A lot of them are kind of, um, I presume they're like friends of the, of the main cast, because a lot of them are kind of Like Karen O'Leary plays Officer O'Leary, and Mike Minogue plays Officer Minogue. So it's all very much like. Just come along and play, you know, yourself foremost, you know, or or a version of that. Uh, the Jackie characters played by Jackie Van Beek. Mm. So uh, I presume these are all like friends and things have just kind of got in on this. Which quite I quite like that kind of homemade feel to it. That yeah, it's,
4: absolutely. It's, and as like I said, I think it just helps with their chemistry and the comic rhythm. Mm. I'm surprised actually how in the eight years since this is how we haven't really seen that much of the other cast. Oh, it's still really yeah. Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi at Waititi that we know, and uh, Reece Re- Darby, Re- I suppose as well. In fact, Actually, didn't he play... Because he plays a werewolf in this, or
2: well, the head of the werewolves. A werewolf in an X-Files episode. Oh, no, he played like a monster, oh, didn't was, he? And yeah, In yeah. the comedy... X-Files episodes, yeah. Yeah, in that really good uh, Darren Morgan episode. That's true. Um, Yeah, what was... He was just like a weird... Was he like a kind of fish monster or something? Something like that? I don't know. Uh, Some kind of monster anyway. Can't remember exactly what he looked like. (laughs) But uh, like a werewolf thing, yeah.
4: Yeah, no, I was reading online about that there's a spin-off movie or a spin-off movie that was was meant to have been planned around the werewolves. Which yes. has an IMDB page, mm. despite like, O.A.T.T. T., uh, and Jermaine Clement admitting a few years ago that they never had any intention of making this film. <laughs> it, it, it does seem to, when you watch the film, you do, it, the, the comic potential of the, the, of the spin-off potential is so obvious. It reminded me a bit of that scene in uh, Shaun of the Dead when, uh, the, you know, our main cast meet that other, you know, that includes yeah. Matt Lucas and yeah. uh, Martin Freeman and um, I think Reece Shearsmith. And there's an idea that, you know, you could easily mm. kind of make a, a sort of companion film about their day of hell. Mm. But no, no, yeah, it, <laughs> it appears that there's no plans for a, a, a werewolves film, but, you know.
2: I think they just had a really good title, didn't they? Because it was going to be called yes. Werewolves? Wolves <laughs> As in WWE apostrophe R-E. An
4: alternative one was What We Do in the Moonlight. You know, so it's two perfect titles, but I yeah maybe the filming wouldn't work quite as well well
2: yeah i mean we're, we're a fan of vampires here so with werewolves you know my opinion there's not as much to make jokes about is it? i think they got most of the key Absolute jokes out in this movie at the right really? book, yeah, another podcast <laughs> yeah so, yeah 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 don't you dare <laughs> <laughs> hello
0: it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Chumba Casino. coincidence i think not everybody's
3: Yeah,
2: but I don't think another movie would really sustain that joke for werewolves. I
1: don't.
4: I don't know. Yeah, and also werewolf werewolf films just aren't as culturally sort of impactful as as. as... Vampire ones, yeah, that's true.
1: Well, I mean, just just speaking of of potential spinoffs. Obviously, we we did mention that what we do in the Shadows has currently got an incredibly popular and successful TV spinoff uh, at the moment that's airing. But uh, have either of you gents ever watched any of Wellington Paranormal, which is the the spinoff with Officers O'Leary and I Minogue? Have no so. idea it existed until this week. <laughs> this was a spinoff
4: right. of a really really big sort of cult film, and it went four mm-hmm. series. You know, and and also Jermaine Clement was you know pretty much heavily involved you know this what uh, yeah. i don't know a network just Taking the characters and doing their own thing. No, this is a bona fide spin-off. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you guys have seen it. Um,
2: uh, I've I've heard of it, but I've never actually watched an episode.
1: <laughs> I would, uh, without without turning this into a Wellington Paranormal uh, podcast, I would highly recommend it to you. Um, those two characters—they're a bit one note, but I—I I mean, I've watched quite a lot of the episodes, and the joke didn't really wear wear off on me. It was still very funny. You know, with their very po-faced, serious, <laughs> almost a twee <laughs> uh, treatment of the undead community in Wellington um, you know the, it sees them encounter witches and monsters and goblins basically any paranormal event yeah. you can think that, that shows up in the, the series so if you're ever looking for something to watch it's a very easy uh, half hour watch for each episode and yeah it's, it's, it's a lot of fun uh, much like you guys it's like I'd heard of it but I'd never actually I'd never actually got around to sitting down and watch it because it wasn't readily available but when I saw it on the planner I thought well here's I've got no excuse now so I'm going to make an effort to watch it See,
2: well, I mean the joke with those characters though is that they're like, hypnotised by the vampires so when they go Around to the house to investigate, they mm-hmm. kind of like don't understand that what they're seeing is like quite <laughs> kind of you know evidence that these guys are vampires and there's a dead body in the basement <laughs> and things, and they, and they just can't see it because but that joke can't really sustain, can it, in a TV series? Yeah. So in, in that show, do they kind of just know that supernatural stuff does exist? Yes, but in, so they're more like a modern Scully kind of no, thing.
1: no, so they, they there's basically um they, they accept that there are the supernaturals all around them, but they treat it with the same right. sort of everyday boredom uh, okay. that they treat everything uh, that, that comes their way. It's right. very, very funny. <laughs> Um, you know, there, there's a, there is one episode where they're trying to calm down a coven of witches, which is, is so funny. I don't want to spoil anything <laughs> on the show. I just, I'd encourage people to go watch it. You know, that sort of dry, deadpan delivery... Of almost like, you know, like they're almost annoyed that they're having to deal with oh, bloody witches again. You know, I, I love that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. I said, much like uh, what we do in The Shadows, I think the success and stuff like that is, is normalizing and re- really taking all the romance and lustre out of these things and just treating <laughs> them as the everyday. It's, it's so yeah. funny.
2: Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. So have you seen the actual proper like TV remake then of this? Uh, Hugh <laughs> <laughs> so I've got your name. So not, hey happens <laughs> it happens
1: uh, yes um, I've not watched the most recent season uh, I think it's the third season just finished and, and I haven't got around to that yet but I watched the first two seasons and um, I, I do enjoy it it is good I, I think it's I mean I'll be honest I'm one of those people I can watch Matt Berry In pretty much most things And, and enjoy myself Just uh, yeah. listening to him <laughs> Saying words Whether the words are funny or not Doesn't really matter um, And there's a lot of that I think in the show But I also like the way That they take the mythology And build on it a little bit And uh, Yeah No I, I think it's largely successful What it doesn't have Is the subtlety of the film Which sounds silly Because the mm-hmm. film Isn't subtle at points But th- There's a there's, mm-hmm. a there's a real sweet Undercurrent In, in what we do In the shadows of the movie Where like I mean I think all of the characters are largely quite likeable at their core and you know they're just you know just a bunch of daft lads out <laughs> on a night out all those scenes with them and the, you know I, I think you can relate to the to who they are and you can kind of understand them whereas I think the TV show plays it much broader which is fine it's still very very funny but um, you know when you get episodes like uh, you know when Matt Berry's character goes off to become is it Jackie Daytona the regular human <laughs> bartender uh, right. it's, such, it's such a silly idea that they you know that it's, it's just so over the top but but it, it does work it does work how about
4: you steve is that something you've watched well it's been on my to watch list. my never my ever expanding to watch list, <laughs> forever um but this rewatch of the movie has kind of made me think right now okay i'm gonna dive into this probably uh this weekend i've got a question though I, because you you've seen it so yeah does the tv series reference the the movie existing in
1: real life because yes. <laughs> well, it does <laughs> well it's so, again, I, I don't want to spoil anything for you because you are, obviously, if you're going to watch it, but the, okay. the season one finale features several of the characters from what we do in The Shadow. They like
4: Yeah, I'd read a
1: bit. And also yeah. um, various other famous vampires in, in cinema, which, again, I don't want to spoil because some of the cameos are hilariously funny, um, but it, it's, it's well worth your time. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the central four cast members uh, who, who share the house in Staten Island they're all really, really well portrayed and very well written. Or very, very it's like it's. It's supremely silly, uh, but it's definitely well worth your time.
2: See, I, I haven't seen it, Hugh. Unfortunately, um, well, you know, I should really watch it. Good, <laughs> I don't know why i, don't, I don't know I've, Yeah, I didn't, didn't, didn't get around to watching it. Um, I think part of my my brain just thought, well, I've seen the movie, so I've kind of got the joke in a sense. So, what will a TV show offer, you know, me? But it does sound. Good from what you've what you've said there. I, I do hear it's really good, so I'm not saying it's not. Hmm. But um,
4: I think I would have watched it immediately when it first came out if it, the uh, regular side, the film cast had been it.
2: Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah I, I thought it'd be like a cheap knockoff of the film well, yeah
4: i think i i thought that you know as much as i love matt, matt berry and all that i just thought oh well i've got to learn all these new i've got to learn about all these new characters now <laughs> the,
1: the thing the thing that sold me on it was the fact was the uh the involvement of Jimmy clement and taika watiti and um, because they were I, I don't know how involved they are as the series progresses but certainly with its inception and i'm sure Jimmy clement's directed and written a few episodes as well and yeah, you, can, I mean, you can feel their hand in it as, as you're watching it
2: okay Okay, I'll put it on my list as well to watch. you have to do an episode one day, I suppose.
1: Yes, I think so. Uh, one, of, one of the interesting things about this film, actually, I wanted to ask you about, I, I mean, I don't know how Ofe you are with Taika Waititi's work in general as, as a director. I mean, obviously, I know you mentioned a Hunt for the Wilder People, but mm. um, I, I, I find him as a director really interesting, but I find them as a performer a bit marmite at times, you know? It's, it either really works or it really, really doesn't work. I mean, I think he's terrific here um i th- but i i despise him with a passion in something like real guy i think he's he's quite an overbearing presence and even in something like love and thunder uh, where he, you know, portrays the the, the rock uh, yeah. monster sidekick, and that it doesn't really work for me. But I wonder, do you think maybe the fact that he's working with someone like Jeremy Clement, who's kind of, he's, he's very, he's got his own really sort of really well formed comedy voice. I wonder if maybe he helps to temper some of the worst excesses of Taika.
4: I think you're right. Actually, I think, that, and I think in Taika's, uh filmography, I think this is a, feels slightly to the side. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think this feels more of a part with Flight to the Concords than yeah. it does mm. the Rabbit or uh, the wilder people. So I, I think even though Taka is the biggest name now, I think I can't, I don't know, i would be interesting to have, kind of, I haven't listened to the commentary, but it'd be interesting to find out whether they, I don't know, if one was maybe a bit more alpha male within the, the working duo. Yeah,
2: I, I'm, I'm with you, Hugh, I, I, I find him a bit of a difficult person to watch on screen at times because he does, he, yeah, he, he does take it to quite extreme, doesn't he? Even his kind of um, everyday persona, really. When I see him interviewed, I think, oh, I think you get on my nerves after a bit, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. I, I'm sure he's a nice guy and all that, you know, but um, I just, it's something about him I think, oh, I couldn't take much of him. I think he's got quite an ego is what I pick up on. Slight like smugness to his. Yeah, there's something about him. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but I'm just being very British and so about somebody <laughs> who's very successful, obviously. Um, that's that's how I cope with it but, um, but but yeah but I think he's definitely talented as a director and, and like you say I think with, with this being co-written with Jermaine Clement and co-directed with him mm-hmm. I think that helps him, like like with um, you know the Thor um, movie, the Ragnarok one. I think having that, you know, even though he was like in in control of that one, he was definitely um, he had the reins on, didn't he, yeah, with Marvel yeah. there because because it all had to lead up to Endgame. And I think he was let off the leash with the Thor, uh, the more recent Thor movie, and you know, to its detriment, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think he needs to be tempered, as you say, Hugh. Yeah, but so I think he was perfectly good in this. I, I, I quite liked him as Viago yeah, as well. Yeah, the, the performance was well measured and
1: good. I was reading that he says he based the performance of Viago on his. Own mother, which I really enjoy.
2: All <laughs> oh, right, have to meet his mum then.
1: So. <laughs> um, something you said earlier, Steve. I, I want to pick up on it. I think it's right, it's, it is a surprise that more of them haven't really, you know, made bigger names for themselves on the back of this film. And if I'm honest, I'm speaking mostly about uh, Johnny Brew. Is, is it Johnny Brew or Brug? What are we saying? Oh, uh, I'm saying Brew. Let's go but... with Brew. Yeah, Johnny <laughs> Brew. Yeah, that's probably indicative of how little impact he's made. If I don't even know how to pronounce his name, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. <laughs> Yeah. but i mean for me he's he's this film's secret weapon um I, i'd never i'd never seen an, him in anything before so he was a, a complete unknown when i when i started watching it but absolutely everything about his sort of slubby, deluded vampire former nazi shtick really just cracks me up everything he's on screen describing himself as the young cool sexy vampire <laughs> just every time it just makes me laugh and laugh um so yeah i'm really surprised that he it, having looked at his imdb it's not like he disappeared. He's, he's worked very steadily, I think, but on like Australian television and New Zealand shows. Uh, but yeah, he never made the step up. It's, a, it's an odd one.
4: Yeah, the same with uh, uh, Corey Gunn... Right, this is going to be even more... Of- <laughs>
1: I was leaving that for you. Thank you very much for picking brilliant. it
4: up, Steve. <laughs> well, I thought it was brilliant as as Nick, you know, yeah. this sort of uh, really blokey kind of you know, kind of mm. Um But again, not seen anything of him. Yeah. He was in the original, so you know he's you know mates with everybody. But for some reason, kind of Taika like Waititi didn't decide to put these people in, uh, in big roles in Love and Thunder. Mm.
2: I wonder if there was a bit of a falling out with Johnny Brew and Taika Waititi because you know I bet he was thinking I'm a, a shoe in for the TV show. I bet you because you know, I'm not I'm not as famous as a- Those other two, so they'll help me out and get me in there. And then he was kind of replaced by Matt Berry and all the rest. And it's like, you know, he's kind of left, you know,
4: to, to, you know. The other cameo at the end of season one, but like, oh, uh, brilliant cameo, you know.
2: Yeah, I bet he was expecting to, yeah, get in there. But yeah, I mean, he he did apparently, Hugh, I'm sure you probably know because you've done your research, um, because you're a competent co-host but uh, <laughs> in 2020 he did do a solo 60 minute theatre performance um as Deacon do you know about that I did not know about that
1: um, you gave me too much credit there yeah
2: well okay he did a show called Deacon the Vampire Live 188 years of bullshit <laughs> uh, <laughs> So he's obviously, like, keen to, like, keep this character alive, you know, and, you know, I bet there's a little bit of acrimony there, I'm guessing, mm. that he's, you know, that he's not a bigger deal now, because this could, this could have been his breakthrough, couldn't it, yeah. to bigger things. It, but it, It's it, a
1: real it shame, because he, he, gets, he gets so many great moments throughout the film, and he gets my favourite scene, or my favourite little touch moment in the film, where, um, towards the end of the film, when, uh, when the gang are attacked by the, the group of werewolves, and as he's sitting, trying to console... Uh, Nick at the end of the film about Stu's untimely demise. It's it's oddly touching to start with, you know, when he's talking about you know this is what happens. You know, vampire, you know, you have to watch all your friends and family die, and then and then he, that that makes way for this this utterly hysterical monologue about ways that you know that people like was it falling asleep in an autumn pile of leaves and having some of them block your windpipe or making the simple mistake (laughs) of fashioning a mask out of crackers and being attacked by ducks and geese and swans (laughs) like it's such a a a gear shift from like the you know the quiet touching moment to this Utter insanity that <laughs> spills out <over laughs> of his lips after all. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. It's also the contrast, I think, between between the, the sort of mundanity that is really good at showing and then mm. when it actually really leans into the scales. Yeah. And, you know, the bit where they're chasing Nick is genuinely mm. like, scary and, and, uh, yeah. And and also the gore. You just have little moments of gore, but they really mm. shock you because everything around it is so grounded and so ordinary. You know, like the bit where, um, Taika Motiti's character is, um, Sort of wooing that, that woman before oh. her death, and it in and it's the main artery
2: Yeah, yeah. It's quite you know. well, What really freaked me out was the cat face vampire. You see that, oh, that shot of Jermaine Clement when he's kind of like a transforming into a cat?
4: Yeah, that's actually that was one the fr- of the first the few moments of special effects, really, in the film. Cause it's, yeah, it's, a, it's oh, quite it's, freaky. It goes quite light on special effects. Most of them are. Sort of in camera, or it's just harnesses. Uh, that, <laughs> that bit reminded me very much of the bit in *Invasion of the Body Snatchers* remake, where yes, you know, that, yeah, the man's face.
2: Yeah, I'm sure it was a homage to that. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of harnesses in this, like you say. I, I did like this, the sequence when they're in the corridor and they're kind of like going up the walls, ceiling yeah, yeah. and things. yeah. It's, it's quite well done. Yeah.
4: But again sort of, you know like Bram Stoker's Dracula it was sort of old-time in-camera uh, mm. effects you know I don't I, you know if there was any digital work it you know it, it seems to have be been done very lightly in this film but uh you know it seemed to be all the sort of effects that you tried mm. 30 40 50 years ago
2: yeah or, or the shot where um, they opened the bedroom door uh, of Vladislav's bedroom yeah and he's like there in in the distance with those women yes. and <laughs> I... it's like a weird effect isn't it I'm trying to even now think how they did that because it looks like the stage was made maybe a a lot higher up than it seems Mm. and so he was actually a a long way away do you think and so you know I don't know I don't know how it was made but that's a, that's the kind of stuff I love because unlike with CGI you, you actually have to think how did they achieve mm-hmm. that Cause it's not CGI it's a, it is a visual trick of some kind so yeah I love stuff like that and that was a good little moment
4: in a film like this that purports to show reality I think even if just one moment you'd have detected CGI it sort of takes away from the verist mm-hmm. of it um, mm-hmm. so I kind of I like the fact that it's all very sort of grounded in camera
2: and even the were- werewolf transformations were pretty good weren't yeah. they um yeah. you know just just cutting away cutting back and then there's different stages of fur and things quite a traditional way of doing it but it's effective you know
4: one of the things i really i really like about the film and what makes it very very unusual is the fact that it takes a place in a world where vampire movies exist yeah the drag- yeah
1: wrestling and twilight yeah references. um <laughs> uh, yeah i like that they've stolen wholesale the uh, the trick from the lost boys you know do you like your buschetti <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh yes <laughs> yeah i'd forgotten that joke when he said that line i was like oh that's a familiar line There's, yeah the lost boys kind of thing yeah yeah, there's lots of little moments like that, isn't there? Well, just um, when you're
1: talking about the, the, the blood, you know, and you're right, it, it's it's quite shocking, you know, when he, he accidentally nicks the artery, which, by the way, I also love that they return to that gag like 10 minutes later when he does it again to the, the next <laughs> victim he's got. But, um... That reminded me of sort of like uh, like early Peter Jackson, you know that sort of that the, the way that the, mm. the the comedy, the broad silly comedy, pushes up against the the edges of this really gory horror film that's just on the periphery.
4: Mm. Absolutely. Also, uh, what I like about it is that how they they kind of go into what it first feels like to be a vampire, you know, the, where he sort of said like a hangover times ten. <laughs> There's things that you have, then those pleasures that you then have to sort of give give up, like the fact that Nick can't eat
1: chips. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I, sorry, Steve. I think you mean you mean. Chocolate. Ops chops. I don't know why that stuck with me forever, so now whenever I'm having chops at home house, it's chops.
4: <laughs> but yeah, you know, that just you know, makes, uh, makes vampire, you know, living forever as a vampire just sound horrendous.
2: Uh, I also just like the idea that this is uh, set in Wellington, to be honest, in New Zealand because mm. it's just a very unusual setting, isn't it, for vampires and things, you know. They don't associate creatures of the night to, with New Zealand <laughs> at all. So, you know, you'd, you'd normally expect this kind of thing to be done in London or Paris or some something like that but i, I like the idea to, to, to kind of embrace where they live in real life yeah. and just just do it there and it kind of works you
4: it know? adds to that um, sort of
1: parochial charm that the film's got doesn't yeah. it? Well, it it does feel a little bit sort of insular no i agree with
4: that i mean you know they may live in a sort of a gothic very sort of horror film kind of house but it's uh, when yeah. they go to the the ball at the end and when they <laughs> go to that bar <laughs> Plainest, you know, drabbest looking places. Uh, you just never usually see it. You know, I'm an outsider, kind of let the right one in.
2: And also, uh, I have to mention Jackie, I think, as a character, <laughs> cause I really enjoyed her, her, her character. <laughs> is this really kind of put upon slave really to Deacon as is familiar doing his ironing and all the rest of it and just with the uh, hope that one day she'll be transformed into a vampire like, like him and never really having that happen <laughs> <laughs> come true her, her dearest wish kind of thing and uh, yeah I, lo- I loved her kind of character is there, a, is there an equivalent to her in the TV show yeah
1: I was actually just going to mention that uh, Harvey Guillem uh, plays, uh, plays a character um, I think called is it Guillermo I think so um, it's been a little oh, while since yeah. I've watched it but he's he kind of takes so yeah, he's the Jackie character. You know, he's the put upon right. uh, servant, desperately wanting to be a vampire. But one of the interesting things they do yeah. with him is they they make you confront the reality of that, which I quite like. And you know, it, it becomes quite serious at points where I mean, effectively, he's covering up murders every night for this group of vampires that he hangs out with. <laughs> and you know, and, and much like Jackie, uh, he's trying to say like, you know, should should I should I bring my, my mate round who I don't really get on with anymore, and they could they could have him tonight, and they, you know the whenever they're talking about uh, him trans- uh, being transformed into a vampire he almost becomes like a, like Jim from The Office you know always looking at the camera as if to say mm. this is never going to happen is it? I, I, you know it and yeah, I yeah. know it but you know I'm going to keep doing this anyway just in case
2: I definitely detected some kind of um, DNA of The Office in particular in this movie mm. I think because even even in 2014, that kind of impact that The Office had had still hadn't really gone away at it, and I think The American Office was just just starting around then, or had it become a hit by then? I, I think not not sure, it was by then. Yeah,
3: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It was it was still in the culture, wasn't it? That mockumentary was like the hot new mm-hmm. thing. Even like Johnny Johnny, like I know him, <laughs> John, Jonathan Brew, <laughs> um, <laughs> Johnny Brew, you know. Um, even Johnny Brew, uh, his uh, his performance, I thought was quite Ricky Gervais like at times. <laughs> the little kind of looks to cameras. Did you pick up on any of that? I was. Wondering wondering if he was channeling a little bit of David Brent at times. I could definitely tell that it was from that era because of mm. some of how this was put together.
4: Yeah, I think kind of the office's kind of uh stylistic tentacles uh mm. you know, mm. reached very far uh, around that time. uh And as I said, they, you know there was also Parks and Rec around mm. that time. It's a it's a very Yeah. It lends itself to comedy quite well, I think that that, that format.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I mean effectively, like just putting a camera on a character and just letting them speak very often, you know, that's where you get your most your your, your best lines from. Um, well, because you know they will naturally try to play up to the camera or show the best side of themselves but will invariably fail and show all, their, all of their shortcomings and lay, lay themselves bare. Um, I also think it works better in in a film in a, like as a sort of short piece because whilst I am a fan of The American Office, I think it's very funny, um, you know, some great characters in it, I think you're always aware that it's a sitcom you're watching and yeah. when it does lean into the documentary conceit, I find that really doesn't work at all. I think he's, if he, Parks and Rec kind mm. of just don't bother explaining the documentary conceit, they just do it. <laughs> with, whereas with this, they set it up nicely, the, we know the story that's been told, we know why the documentary crew are there and whilst it's very silly and over the top and stupid, it, it makes sense within the, the context of the movie.
4: Of course, with this, you have to suspend a lot a lot more disbelief than you do with The Office because you're watching a documentary filming people being murdered <laughs> <laughs> yes. well, I mean, well, you know into, into form um, so yeah, well, yeah well, there's, as I said there's, a, there's an impression of it being realistic but um, that bit
2: yeah and, and they're getting like visual proof of supernatural creatures as well you know on, on camera it's quite a coup isn't it really <laughs> especially
4: um, given that this is a world in which Dracula and the Lost Boys uh, kind of yeah so, <laughs> TV and that just seems yeah. like a Ken Loach film to them
2: and, and uh, Hugh we've recently done Interview with a Vampire mm. and uh, Christian Slater was very happy to have Brad Pitt just tell him a story about being a vampire. But You know, the guy's doing this documentary, they've got all this footage.
1: You know, he'd be in hog heaven, wouldn't he, with all this that they've got, you know. Quite an interview with some vampires, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. yeah. I think the film being has made quite a, a bit of a, a dent in the sort of, like, in pop culture zeitgeist. I think it, it remains. I mean, so when it debuted at the at Sundance Film Festival in January 2014, it was a massive critical hit Uh, and it's still getting a a Rotten Tomatoes approval rating of 96%. It's kind of loved by genre fans and non-genre fans alike. Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian described it as the best comedy in years, and while that may be true, it was said by... Pete Bradshaw, so you know how, how much can you, how much can you <laughs> yeah. buy into that? Pinch of salt. <laughs> uh, so it was made it on a budget of just one point three million dollars, and it earned back six point nine million at cinemas. And apparently, I found this really interesting. The film was highly pirated uh, after being shut down. One of the, the big piracy websites revealed that what we do in the shadows was downloaded two hundred and seventy seven thousand times from just their servers alone. So yeah, I, th- I think it's um, mm. I, I think it's been seen by so like countless people. It's it's been a massive. When it
4: was released yeah I think it's one of those films a bit like kind of Shawshank that mm. didn't do so well kind of first time round, and then gradually it's a word of mouth sort of phenomenon i think you'd be mm. really hard-pressed to find any you know even 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 vampire fan who've seen it at the cinema in 2014 mm. but it's you know yeah. yeah the word of mouth thing i think you just you know the, if reputation just snowballed and, and you can tell it's it's uh it's cultural impact by the fact that it's had a stage spin-off in terms of that that mm. uh Deacon, um sort of one man show that you were talking about two tv spin-off a mooted or rumored movie spin-off very few mm. kind
1: of even big blockbusters you know get that kind of um, spin-off edge mentioning there the um the, the, the so-called spin-off film that they keep talking about werewolves. what he, he described that recently actually i think it was just um just after the, the second season had aired he, would, he was asked about the film about the sequel and he described it as that's the film that Jermaine and i keep pretending that we're making <laughs> it's like all oh, right okay <laughs> so i think it's just that he just says it to get people off his back i think
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW route void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
4: It's just like, as I said, it's like it's like the, the Shaun of the Dead, uh, you know, the spin-off that could have been, uh, which would be been the sort of companion film with Martin Freeman and his, and his pals. Mm. But, uh, you know, whether, whether you, I think people won't want that film, but whether they should actually mm. have it is a different matter. Yeah,
1: I think so. One of the characters we, we haven't really spoken about too much, we'll just touch on it, The wonderful Stu Rutherford. (laughs) What a good bloke. What a bloody good bloke. (laughs) (laughs) Charisma (laughs) Hatching So like he was he's the the IT expert but he's actually uh, Taika Waititi's high school mate and he was told that he would only have a small part in the film but they only told him that just to get him to act more naturally on camera so he's he's an actual <laughs> IT tech by trade not an actor uh, and he said that he had no idea how prominent a character he would be until he actually got to see the finished product so uh, <laughs> I love that yeah, yeah yeah I think his lack of um, polish as a performer
4: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. just gives it that extra sense of realism it's a bit it sort of reminds me a bit of Keith sort of in the Office. Yeah, that uh, yeah. You know, yeah. was told somebody who clearly had never been to drama school, and yet it, it just I don't know just gives it a feeling of realism.
2: And also Hugh, I, I love this bit of trivia that you found that so I'm gonna gonna reveal now <laughs> about the charred skeleton. Oh, yeah. So apparently <laughs> I'm gonna read this. So they had a, they had a charred skeleton prop which they had to throw into the harbour uh, for a scene that actually wasn't used in the movie. Um, but they didn't realise at the time they wouldn't be able to get it back once they'd thrown it in, <laughs> and it was so kind of realistic looking that Waititi said it. So realistic look, looking that we had to put a press release out saying that if anyone found a charred body washed up on the beach, don't be alarmed—it's just a prop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't think I don't that, think that happened, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I love the idea that they made this super accurate kind of corpse and threw it into the, into the <laughs> harbour. yeah. And also about the, um, Hugh, about the uh, Fellowship of the mm. Ring connection.
1: Yeah, so I mean, the, the hill where well, the gang have the run-in with the werewolves, uh, apparently that's the same place that Frodo and the hobbits hide from the Black Rider in the Fellowship of the Ring. Now, I would never have known yeah. that in a million years no. unless I'd read it. It doesn't even look vaguely familiar, similar, does it?
2: No, that's so strange. Maybe they had to have fake trees for the Lord of the Rings. Maybe, yeah. It didn't, look, it, didn't look, it didn't look like a woodland, really, did it? Oh, I always
4: imagined that scene in Lord of the Rings taking place 100 miles from the nearest city. But
2: mm. yeah.
1: <laughs> Just a park somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Magic of the movies. Yeah.
1: God damn that Peter Jackson fooled us again. He's just the genius. <laughs> he <fooled us> again.
2: <laughs> well, at least he was using real
4: locations back in those days. You know the trouble with the Hobbit film is probably he became a big green screen mad.
2: Okay, so we'll move on now to the uh, power rankings of the vampires. So we just go through the abilities and skills and the vulnerabilities and the ways to be vanquished. So we'll begin with the um, abilities, first of all. So immortality. Are these vampires immortal? What
4: do you think, Steve? Well, it appears so. Uh, well, I think uh, yeah. Main Clements is sort of in the 800s, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Peter's thousands yeah. of years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah def- definitely immortal, I think. Uh, strength and speed? Yeah, I think so. Well, they can certainly uh, uh, change in Bats so that's, that's, uh. Oh, that's a di- that's a different category of <laughs> That's a different thing. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But, uh, um, but I don't think they were like. Did they demonstrate like strength in any way? I'm trying to think of a scene where they picked something up that was heavy or something, or no. ran fast or no, anything like you, that. You meet um,
1: great right, actually, Dan. I just I just assume because they conform to the sort of the standard vampire tropes, don't yeah. they? In the, in the most. So I just assumed that. Yeah, maybe.
2: But the, yeah, I think they were fairly normal, really, weren't they? In that mm. in that sense. Yeah. Um, so sexual magnetism or hypnotism. So definitely. Yes, yeah, yes 100%
4: Vladislav is uh, a bit, bit of a sexual dynamo that's absolutely uh, true yeah, that's true. yeah I'll that's true kind of less so but I think you no know, I mean maybe he is <laughs> just chooses not not to use it you know he just respects uh the lady
2: uh, you don't know what Peter's getting up to <laughs> you know he, he, it's, it's the dark horses like him who are out and about and doing all sorts so you just
1: know. Uh, just very quickly I'm, I'm disappointed we never actually get a chance to speak about this. off just bring it up quickly here oh. The, the, the constant references between uh, Vladislav and his Nemesis the Beast is uh, wonderful. The yeah. first time I saw <laughs> that, it was just a wonderful payoff to that, that gag, even though you can see it coming a mile away. It doesn't make it less funny when it lands and it's just uh, his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Oh. And <laughs> um, choice of name as well.
4: Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hypnotism is definitely yes, isn't it? With the cops and things. Well, so, Deacon yeah, even
1: so he appears at the end of the film, doesn't he? After the credits, uh, to hypnotize the audience yeah. into forgetting everything that they've seen.
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that the first time through, but yeah,
1: little bonus scene at the end there.
2: So shape shifting, Steve. You wanted to talk about this one. <laughs> <Yes. I> mean, <laughs> so well, yeah, so there's bats obviously, and yeah. the, uh,
4: Vladislav uh, turns into a cat at one point. Yes. A cat, kind of. Thing. Yeah,
2: I really, I really like the um, special effects actually for the bat transformation. It's cool, isn't it? Really, yeah. It could, it. So simple, but it looked great, does not it? Better than some Hollywood like big budget films I've seen. You know, the simple idea, but it just it looked really good. Yeah.
1: Um, Deacon also mentions uh, offhand at one point that he spent the previous night as a dog, where he had sex with another dog. Oh, <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Transform into dogs,
1: and there, there's nothing more made of that. It's just very quickly. Oh, that, that's nice, Deacon. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Um, telekinesis or pyrokinesis. Mm. Anything going on there? I don't think with no, fire. I don't think so. There's nothing happening with fire. Was there a telekinesis? Can they do that? No. Flight is a definite. Yeah. Yes. yes. They even they even do float around, don't they? It's not just as bats. Yes. You do see them kind of floating. Um, <laughs> outside
1: windows. and Outside windows, yeah. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. That's good. I like Nick's utterly graceless entrance as a vampire. <laughs> 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 he tries <laughs> yeah. to come in the window. It oh, takes yeah. about five minutes.
2: <laughs> Control over lesser creatures. Anything like that going on? Um, yeah, well,
4: you know, I mean, Nick can just talk openly about being a vampire without Stu uh, noticing. <laughs>
2: yeah, he's got Stu under his thumb. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stu counts. He's on the level of a rat or a dog, like we're thinking about. Yeah, that's fine. So, yeah, so I think they're not, not massively powerful vampires, but, you know, um, immortality and hypnotism and shape-shifting, so not bad. So, vulnerabilities and ways to be vanquished. So, aversion or weakness to sunlight? Uh, yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> and silver as well, although it's not too deadly. Viago uh, wears that uh, pendant at one point, doesn't he? Yes.
2: It's, it's, yeah, That's a different category, Steve, again.
4: Wow. Oh.
1: Yeah. See, you're just too excited, Steve. I, I like it though. <laughs> two, two strikes. You know, one more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he runs a tight ship, Steve. I'm sorry, I've, I've said them uh, before, yeah, so but yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's no yeah. reasoning with him Yeah, you got to stick to the categories.
2: <laughs> uh, sunlight, but sunlight's a definite yes. Yeah, um, sleeping in coffins, native soil or cursed earth. Yeah, um, yeah, you definitely, definitely, seed coffins, don't you? Holy objects, holy water, or silver, Steve? Do you think? <laughs> Definitely <laughs> silver. The so silver is not actually a popular one, is it, Hugh? Um, we we mention it every week, but there's not no, many films that, that reference the silver. It's normally werewolves. Silver bullets,
4: the forgotten aspect of sort of a vampire lore.
2: Yeah, so silver bullets, the for werewolves, isn't it? Um, werewolves. of course it is. That's why it's yeah, yeah. But it does affect vampires, yeah, in, in the lore. But yeah, so it's good that they made uh, you know sense of that. Um, and uh, holy water, I don't, I don't think that came up with it any anything like that or the crucifixes um, trying to think of any moments
1: oh no there is, there is an issue with crucifixes when they're down in the oh. basement and uh, they find the vampire hunter and he's got like this big, uh. big crucifix out and they're all hissing and like ah! uh, and yeah, in the yeah. minute they cover yeah, it yeah. over yeah. everything's fine
2: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, seems as our yeah yeah, definitely um stake through the heart
1: uh yes i would say so yes yes, yes. yeah
2: yeah definitely yeah um beheading or
1: burning yeah definitely burning poor, poor Peter oh yeah. yeah poor Peter yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's definitely yeah, one for him um, I think mean,
4: that's quite a gruesome scene really sort of yeah. nice the goal yeah yeah it's,
2: just it's quite
1: dramatic a... impact. yeah Shocking moment. I I did enjoy Vladis, Vladislav impotently throwing half a pot of water down the stairs. Yes. That <laughs> would sort things <laughs> yeah.
2: Out. yeah, that was good. <laughs> um also invitation only. That's a definitely yeah, thing yes, yeah. With the with the nightclubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get in the nightclub. About the bouncer, oh, you know, inviting them in—that's a classic. I don't, I don't know
1: about you, gents, but I was getting a lot of flashbacks to my youth uh, when I was watching that scene. Like, come on, just <laughs> come on, lads, come on, we all the drink here. Come on, let us in.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, no reflection. So that's true, isn't yeah. it? They don't have a reflection. Yeah. Um, but a weird thing—they can be photographed. There's lots of evidence of them having photos mm. taken over it's, the decades. Yeah, yeah, but no reflections. Allergic to garlic? Um, no, it's, it's chips. Chips. Chops. chops chops yeah chops chops <laughs>
1: yeah i don't think garlic's mentioned as well no, i don't think so but, they, they, no. but obviously they can't have any human food at all or else we, you know you oh, get the yeah. projectile blood vomiting which is another yeah. Yeah. really horrible <laughs> but very funny scene <laughs> yeah that was quite gross
2: um and my favorite one crossing running water so believe it or not steve this is a thing in vampire lore but um i don't think in this film they have a problem getting across rivers or oh, anything like think that. Right, Doesn't we're educational as well on this podcast. <laughs> you know, so now you know. So yeah. So overall, then, Steve, how would you rank these vampires uh, for their power level? You know. So what's your fangs out of five?
4: Oh, I think they're pretty average. I think.
1: Yeah, out of five, I'll go for a three. I think really. Three. Okay. What about you, Hugh? Uh, yeah, and you know, I had three written down as well because they kind of uh, they, they are the atypical vampires that you you imagine when you think of vampires. You know, they, they tick off almost every box. Um, you know that, that you would think of when you think of a vampire. Yeah. So yeah, a three for me. Yeah, I could probably have them in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the the problem is. Deacon would just hypnotise you with those sexy, erotic dance moves and you wouldn't know what to do, Steve. You'd be <laughs> lost. Um,
2: I'm going to have to agree as well, I think. So it's threes all round. Yeah, I think quite fairly average, you know. If they if they were stronger and, and things, uh, maybe I'd be more worried about them. But they're a little bit incompetent as well, aren't they? Yeah. You, know, you, get, you get the feeling that, and also quite likeable in a way. I don't, I don't get the feeling they're a threat to anyone so much in that town. Really. Oh,
4: even, even Vladislav has kind of moved on from his sort uh, of poking past, you know, generally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they're pretty sort of ineffectual vampires. You know, if I was to be uh, held captive by them, I think um, it'd
2: be fine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Hanging out in New Zealand and it's all great down there as we know, you know. <laughs> yeah, I can combine it with holiday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so wrapping up then, Steve, uh, any final thoughts on the movie? And do you think it deserves to live forever or be staked through the heart?
4: I think it de- deserves to, be, to live forever and it's made me want to uh, dive into the series. So, yeah, yeah. it's been a pleasure uh, uh,
2: rediscovering this film this week. Yeah, how about you, Hugh? What do you think about
1: it? Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. deserves to, to live forever. Similar to you, actually, Steve, I think I'm, I, I put off the third season just because I've had so many other things to catch up on, but having watched the movie at the weekend, that's really uh, lit a fire under my backside, so I'm going. I think I'm going to meet. I might even just do a full rewatch because there's not that many episodes. So yeah, not absolutely terrific. Highly recommend it to anyone
4: listening. Also, the great thing about about a film like this is that it's kind of in, in a way kind of quite light on plot, but but mm. strong on comedy moments. Is the fact that you can just look up individual scenes sometimes on <laughs> yes. YouTube, mm. just yeah, satiate your you know your love of a particular line or scene, or you know if you want to hear, hey, we're werewolves, not swear werewolves <laughs> uh,
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can. Yeah, I, I love movie that's under 90 minutes and this is like 85 isn't it so it doesn't outstay its welcome at all mm. it's like it is pretty much like a string of sketches really isn't it it's a very loose yeah. That's, that's thread, a looking at it, yeah. it all together yeah but I, I think that really works in its favor really there should be more films like this in a sense because there's not many films that are like just funny I, you know that sounds really strange to say but not many comedies nowadays really make me laugh like this one did mm. you know it seems to be a bit of a lost art it seems to all move to television all the comedies and uh i can't really think of the last kind of mainstream comedy in the cinema what that was even but yeah, I, I I think I'll definitely um, watch the, the TV show as well. We got so many vampire TV shows now. Here we got um, Let the Right One In, yeah. <laughs> Interview with the Vampire. Oh, Goodness, now this you wanted me to watch? <laughs> oh, it's too much.
4: <laughs> no, no, I think this film is uh, it's definitely the best vampire. Comedy, uh, it's, only, it's only better than D- uh, Dracula, Dead, and loving it.
2: Yeah, that's on the list. It's on the list. We'll get to it. Yeah, there's there's not many good vampire comedies, is oh. there? Like you say, I can't really
1: think of another one that was. Obviously, there's the the classic that is Vampire in Brooklyn, Dan, that we've already covered. Oh yeah, months.
2: yeah, we've done that, and uh, yeah, that's was a, a big hit with everyone. Yeah, uh, there is um, Once Bitten with Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah, but I don't think I don't think that stands up. There's a few ones like that. They're all kind of very similar, aren't they? Back in the those. it was all it was either like spoofs of dracula in particular mm. or it's just like a bit of a larky comedy about a guy who gets bitten by a vampire and well, hijinks ensue kind of yeah, thing yeah. this is probably the most inventive vampire comedy there's been i think taking this approach to it which is quite unique and, 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 and obviously nothing's copied it as it is it's, its own little kind of entity now mm. <laughs> its own kind of franchise almost um so yeah it's really good
1: Oh, unfortunately, you know what that sound means. Uh, the sun is rising, so we must away to our coffins. Uh, I'd like to thank our guest, Steve O'Brien, for coming on today. Um, Steve, what are you up to right now? Where can our listeners find more of your work? Well, I, I'm currently uh, writing a
4: Doctor Who article for RadioTimes.com, or one of, yeah, one of my many Doctor Who articles for that, plus Classic Pop and uh, Yahoo! That kind of thing. Basically, it's all film, film, TV, and uh, and music. And actually, I've got an art- I've got an article on Let the Right One In uh, in the in the US I interviewed the showrunner and the lead actor from that. Oh,
2: excellent. Okay, yeah, we'll definitely put a little plug in there. We'll do a link in the show mm-hmm. notes, I think, to that. And our listeners definitely want to seek that out. We'll have to get around to that TV show as well, view. Because um, yeah, yeah, we'll to cover <laughs> it at some point. <laughs> add it to the list then. It. add
4: it to the list. The reviews haven't been fantastic, so I'm not in a great hurry to, to, to watch it.
2: Yeah, I. Heard that, but then I did. I did. I think somebody tweeted today saying they were quite impressed with some of the changes that it had done early on, or it fleshed it flesh things out a bit differently. Yeah, it certainly so,
4: seems to be more of a riff on it than a than a remake. But I think it's got elements of sort of police procedural, you know, within it.
1: Oh wow! Mm. Yeah, and
4: the thing is, you know, the original is so sort of untouchably brilliant, and it is an unusual uh, yeah. situation where the where the sequel is very good as well, and it's not in the same on the same sort of uh, on the same level as the original. But but you know, you do have two versions of the same story both of which are pretty brilliant. Um, so I know, I whether this needed to exist, I'm not, still not, I'm not sure. No,
2: probably not. But it's IP, you know, we have to make something for <laughs> yeah. the IP that, that we okay. own <laughs> these days. <laughs> um, yeah, well, thanks, Steve, though, for coming along. Um, you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Owen 79 and Hugh is at AngryScotsman81. Uh, remember, Vampire Videos is part of the We Made This Podcast Network, so stay tuned for previews of a few other shows you may like to subscribe to in just a second. Uh, we'll be back soon for more fiendish fun But until next time, thanks for listening
0: like crime stories, books and people talking about those things, then you should check out the Red and Buried podcast. A murder. A murder. Oh. I'm Frankie. And I'm Sarah. And in each episode, we pick a different theme and surprise and delight each other with a cheeky little review. As you started reading, I was like, this sounds like a romance novel. And then you got to monstrous crime. Yay, there it is. That's what we're here for, isn't it? We're also regularly visited by many talented and best-selling authors, including the likes of Chris Whittaker, Elizabeth Haynes. Emma Stonex, Fiona Cummins and a whole lot more. I obviously listened to the podcast and I listened to your interview with Chris Whittaker and I thought, oh hey, that sounds like a really good fun podcast. (laughs) If you like your crime books with a big side of silly, this is the podcast for you. Listen to the Red and Buried podcast right now, brought to you by the We Made This Network.
2: Do you like pop culture and top ten lists? If you do, then step inside the Den of Ten. In the den, we have countless top 10 lists to captivate and titillate even the weariest soul. We've got lists of films. And there's that famous thing about the, the scene where he improvised his way through smashing his hand and cutting his hand open on the glass as he banged his hand on the table. Yeah. I mean, you can't really say boo to that. Music. The rest of the song is like a, just a swirling crescendo of clever songwriting, amazing singing, great drumming, beautiful guitar effects. Video games. And I think that's exactly what happened with Zelda. It was everything, looking back, is on a much lower resolution to what we see in Breath of the Wild. But as I was playing it, I just felt like my imagination was just going absolutely wild. TV. You
4: know, this is where sitcom verges on the cinematic. Still in a a neat 20 minutes. And the interaction between these vastly different characters is so well realised. And more. Listen to us on all major podcast providers. Find us on Twitter at Den of Ten Pod. Where you can like, follow, comment and vote. Or find us on the We Made This Podcast Network at WeMadeThisNetwork.com We hope to see you soon in the Den of Ten.